think maybe we should dive into it. Yeah, dive into the interview. So we're going to start off with Sia first. Yes, we will. Let's And it's also in two parts, may yes. I mention. <laughs> we're, we're breaking things up here on Movies, Movies, Movies. Let's dip into some spotlight. Spotlight. She can understand everything you are saying to her. And if you are happy, press this one. Very funny, troublemaker. <laughs> she sees the world in a completely different way from us. We're about oh. to have a pool party. I am Great, I'm just going to pass you to see you now. Um, I think we have 10 minutes for this, yes? Oh, I think we 15. have 15 is what we asked. Okay, sorry, didn't mean to cut you short. Oh, good. <laughs> do you mind... Do you mind... Ex- do you mind... fucker. <laughs> <laughs> see ya, we have something to show you. You don't have to put your cam on, but if you can put ours on, you can see a, a little surprise, if you want. Yeah, I do, I'm going to. I'm just oh. going to work out how to do that. Okay, so. sure thing. Hold on one sec. There we go. We were going to go catch up as well, but then we're like, that's a bit too far. Hold it back. <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. And you know what's really important about those eggs is I know they came from happy chickens. Okay, so yeah, I wanted to ask you first up, based on your previous work, like This Is Acting, you having directed music videos, you getting performers to imitate you in music videos and during live shows, I'm sensing a through line about performance and performance art. So I wanted to ask, where does filmmaking and directing kind of sit in the SIA artistic journey and what does it mean to you? I don't really, well, I just know that I, I, it was like something I had to do. Nothing else I've done before felt like something I had to do. It was just something that I did because that's what I get paid for. <laughs> But this movie, it fell into my brain. I thought about it for 18 years or 15 years, I don't know. And and finally I got the guts up to make it. And then I've been editing it for three and a half years and the editing process kind of made me sick because I had a totally different relationship to it than I do to music. Um, I... I had no idea I had like perfectionistic tendencies because I'm usually a one and done, like in the vocal booth. I'll be like, you guys can fix that, right? Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought about that. I was wondering what the editing process was like because you're trying to grapple with the dramatic performances and also energetic dance. So I'm wondering how do you create flow for both? Oh, well, that was the hardest part, and that's why it took so long to edit. And we actually went through three we went through three editors, poor people, <laughs> <laughs> because the, it was really because I, because of my um, lack of preparation, actually, and not my naivety. And it was a baptism by fire. Um, I 
I thought, what could it be like? It could just be like, as we just be like making those music videos, but like just every day for 40 days. Um, in, uh, and it was the best experience of my life, but it was also the most difficult. And my producer, I mean, I'm so lucky because I scored Spike Jones's producer, Vincent Landay. And, um, and he, I mean, uh, he saved my life. Like there'd be, there'd be half a movie if he hadn't been on board. <laughs> he, there was a, we'd always do an extra, an extra take for Vince and one now, <laughs> just one more for Vince, we'd say. And thank God we did because otherwise we would just be missing so much footage. Um, <laughs> might, you might've noticed just in, in the, regular narrative portions of the film the the shooting style is very dogma it's um uh it's sort of a lot of natural lighting and um uh handheld like it's just yeah and that's the kind of stuff that I'm like Festin is like my favorite did you always see yourself and your career as like leading towards filmmaking um I think I it was a little secret wish of mine a little mm-hmm. like secret put bring that back up again to your mouth <laughs> it's a prop it's, it's such a prop we're so ready <laughs> i know i'm just like a girl standing in front of sia asking her to say something nice about adelaide i'm such a time <laughs> i'm a time slut so i'm gonna crack the whip sia <laughs> you too i'm gonna have to separate you guys honestly um, I'm not like, why did you leave? I'm just like, is there a kernel of like Don Dunstan energy? Like I watch Chandelier and I'm like, you are the color and su- side of a decrepit suburb. It's Everton. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you two anyway. break it up. Okay, back to the chat. Sorry, I'm not an Adelaide gal. Uh, we wanna... Tangy lemon no, but yum. Wait, what was <laughs> that? Just Nippies. Tangy lemon. Nippies, tangy lemon. True. Okay. I was hoping just... you'd give me a food wreck. Yeah. So I've got oh. it. Tangy lemon. Tangy lemon. Okay. Okay, you can break it up. Okay, break it up. Okay. We wanted to ask about ideal parenting therapy. Uh, I think... Yes. Sorry, you go. Well, we just always think about duty of care and how filmmakers approach dealing with heavy material, but also um, making space for that in a film that isn't just, you know, watching people being butchered. So I love that you asked about the ideal parent protocol. It's, hang on, ideal parent figure protocol. And it's and it's an attachment theory related um, therapy. I did direct the movie using attachment theory. I gave each actor an attachment strategy, and then I explained to them what their strategy was, and it really helped in terms of letting them know what their motivation was or what their you know what their fear was in that moment, um, the fear of abandonment. Uh, you know, the threat of abandonment or um, uh, failure or um, the dismissive strategy where you're like, you experience something as rejecting and uh, or critical and you become rejecting and dismissive yourself. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, it was, it was, it made it really, um, it was a help, very helpful psychology to use for, for filmmaking, especially with, actors who've been in a lot of movies like Kate you know Leslie hadn't been in so many and neither Maddie but with Hector Elizondo and Kate like it was really fun um it was because because for them it was a new way of 
Although Hector was te- basically teaching me how to be a director the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> but also it feels like a visualization of that Alanon moment of being like, there's a wounded child inside of you. How do you talk to this wounded child? That's so interesting that you should say that because I had a little woundy moment last Saturday night and, um, and I called my, um, well, let's call him my primary attachment partner right now. And are you ready for this? Please. I, I was like, oh, I'm just realizing this has nothing to do with you. It's about my history. Um, it's, oh, this is some inner child bullshit. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Um, I'm really sorry. Oh, shit. Uh, you're not doing anything wrong. You've not done anything wrong. And then he goes, well, can I talk to her? And I was like, I'm going to marry you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Whoa. I was thinking, I'm going to marry you. And I basically am never getting married again. So that just even in my head, that thought was like, was like, whoa, whoa. Because after the last marriage, it was like, oh, I'm never, ever getting married ever again. Do you look um, back on... But the do, fact that this dude said to me, can I talk to her about my inner child? Oh, my God. That's, Isn't that so cool? That's so cool. How do you feel after, like, when you look back on Saturday, are you like, whoa, why did I do that? Or I'm you... embarrassed. Uh, yeah, I'm embarrassed um, because I also didn't know what the date was and I was complain- <laughs> complaining. <laughs> about something that I I needn't have been and <laughs> <laughs> so I was sheepish embarrassed um and I had a little bit of shame but um you know I it's all about the repair and in every relationship and I think that's also apparent in the movie it's it's really about the repair um and and from all curated families and um I'm a big believer in curated families having left mine in Australia 22 years ago or whatever I've had it um over the years depending on wherever I've landed I've curated a family um and uh, my most recent family has really stuck because I've been here for like 13 15 maybe years now Mm. maybe Mm. anyway but um yeah I think the movie also represents that is that you know it's not always blood is not always thicker than water and um and that you can say and do um things that you're not necessarily proud of but if you're able to acknowledge that you are you are a shithead Mm. and and the and then and say have I done enough to repair this or do I need to do more like Mm. you feel like we've repaired this can we move on or do you need me I'll tap dance or um you know like oh you know I'll I'll put on a bunny outfit or, you know, whatever. I'll I'll do yeah, something embarrassing. Right. I'll stick my head in a garbage can. Um, whatever, you know. I know, like, like humor what, is humor it, is actually so terrible. underrated in terms of dealing with trauma. Agree. And I also wanted to ask, because Lena Dunham is in this film, 
yeah, for a split a little, second just a wait. as someone who like just doesn't give care and maybe is like a bit of a comment on the healthcare system obviously this film it's getting some heat and i just wondered if you talked to lena dunham about what it's like to learn in public yep totally we had a a, a very long text session um but she's also my good friend i probably could have facetimed her but we're both so anti-social <laughs> <laughs> We basically have anti-social offs. So we like plan things and then we just see who's going to cancel first. (laughs) (laughs) But what did she say, Darcy? What did she say? What was her feedback or her advice? Well, let me just go get my phone and I'll just type her in. Oh, okay. She's in my phone as Lanny. Lanny Dunbar. Okay. So she she said a really long thing. <laughs> she said, I'm so sorry, people are so judgmental and they operate from their own unseen place of pain, their wound. Um, I don't know if this is too personal, so I'm not going to read that. Fully, um, fully totally fine. Um, she was just said, I've been there many times. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, no, then she was talking about her own most recent um, where she got in trouble. Uh, here we go. It's always, she said, it's just always something. And if we can block those voices and know our true intent and not satisfy them with a response, be because all they want is to get us in a dust storm of anxiety, then we will be safe and cozy. We deserve secure, happy attachments in life and in art. The people who attack are never waiting to have their minds changed. How can I best support you? And I just wrote back, you just did. I mean, that kind of reminds me of um, where Kate's character knocks on the door and is like, I need, uh, it. I, I need that's help. That's my favourite part too. Yeah. Yeah. It, and also that that is the most pivotal moment in any addict's life. Yeah. I mean, for is me. Oh. that moment. And also, <laughs> you made a kid, kids' movie about a drug dealer. Like, can you speak to that a little bit? <laughs> like, you, you've really normalised that. <laughs> do you feel like that as a pop star? Like, do you feel like you're a bit of a drug dealer? <laughs> I do. I'm a drug dealer. I drug deal in hope. <laughs> That's Whoa, dealing in hope. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.